It is 10 a.m. Good morning, everybody. <laughs> Good morning. Good morning, Tim. All righty. Um, what you working on today, Jim? We are working on specifically, I wanted to get into the, um, the introduction and actually give a little more uh, in-depth to the, to the introduction portion, which Lynn, I know, stresses a lot that it's really easy to skip the over these to get to our lesson for the day, but just how vitally important it is for the mindset of, of absorbing the lesson for the day is to get the introduction and how it's asked that we proceed. So what, uh, but what I'd like to do uh, before that, just as an, as an introduction, a separate introduction, is to go into the text, chapter 5, page 88. The text, chapter 5, page 88. And... It's going to give a little comment um, <clears throat> about, you know, it's one of those Jesus, Jesus, what, what I said when I said it, what I meant when I said this, uh, quotes, you know, from Jesus. And it's, you know, and um, it's kind of always fun to, to play with those or hear those as they were meant to be said um, or meant to be heard. So... I'm going to begin with chapter 11, which is in about the middle of the page on page 88 of the text. <clears throat> you mean paragraph, paragraph 11? Paragraph 11, I'm sorry. Did I say chapter? Sorry. So, paragraph 11. When I said, I come, I come as, as a light into the world, I meant that I came to share the light with you. Remember my reference to the ego's dark glass and remember also that I said, do not look there. It is still true that where you look to find yourself is up to you. Your patience with your brother is your patience with yourself. Is not a child of God worth patience? I have shown you infinite patience because my will is that is that of our Father, from whom I learned of infinite patience. His voice was in me, as it is in you, speaking for patience towards the sonship in the name of its creator. And <clears throat> right down below that, so infinite patience, I thought that was beautiful. Um, right below that, under the subsection, the decision for God, subsection, uh, ch chapter seven, which is right at the bottom of page 88. It starts out and it says, do you really believe that you can make a voice that could drown out gods? Do you really believe that? And of course we do, but the absurdity of it is obvious. Um, So with that, on the very next page, 
I decided as an opening meditation, the very next page, which is the bottom of page 90, um, to read the last, uh, the last stanza there in italics. Um, and I don't think this, this is not part of the rules for decision, but it's definitely all about deciding and the rules for, you know, it's definitely all about that. So at the bottom of page 90, I must have decided wrongly because I am not at peace. I made the decision myself, but I can also decide otherwise. I want to decide otherwise because I want to be at peace. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision if I will let him. I choose to let him by allowing him to decide for God, for me. And with that, we just have a couple minutes of silence. gently come back so you know one of the one of the coolest things I've ever seen with I'll call it the technology of the course for me is, is when I'm running through a brain like having a problem and I'm running through my brain the different iterations of how it's going to get solved of course with my infinite help that so I'm running through the problem and I'm thinking, oh, but that'll never work out because of this. That'll never work out because this is just so ugly and unsolvable. And when, when I finally got, I think in the last year, I finally got that statement. I do not feel guilty because the Holy Spirit will undo all the consequences of my wrong decision. If I will let him. And just how beautiful that experience is, uh, it's an unsolvable problem. Of course, I don't know what the problem is, nor, you know, the, I, I don't even know what it is, but I think I do. And then, and then it gets solved and everything works out <laughs> to, to my amazement, right? The impossible happens. And, I, and it's just, it's just been one of the coolest things to experience is like, if I can have the courage to ask for help in this situation, everything is going to be peaceful. And beyond that, I can experience joy. And that it really will work. It really will work. If I have, if I have the courage to ask for help from the Holy Spirit. So... Um, anybody have any thoughts or anything come up about that? Jim, I just wanted to share that um, if you have the courage or the desperation. Ah, probably more accurate. To, to ask for help. Yeah, probably more accurately put. 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd like to make it sound like some kind of valiant thing, but it's it, it's desperation. Yeah. I was thinking about the, uh, when I think there's a problem, and I think even more importantly, I, I for, for me, <laughs> I know what the problem is. And, uh, and the idea that I really don't know what the problem is. I mean, just to allow that possibility that maybe I think I know what the problem is, but what if I don't? And, um, and then what's really underlying that is there is no problem. <laughs> That's why I don't know what the problem is because there ain't one. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just not, but I'm pretending there is. That's the problem. What does the Buddha say? You know, the, the, the desire, something about the desire to have a problem is the problem. <laughs> something like that. I, I'm paraphrasing, but that's the gist of it. <laughs> that's beautiful. Yeah. The, the, there is no problems. Yeah. So that's why you can't, that's why you can't decide what it is because there is no problem underneath <laughs> it all. All right. So, um, if we can all turn to uh, page 273 in the workbook, which is our current, our current set of lessons, but it's, it's the introduction to our current set of lessons. So that's page two, 273, review four. And it starts, uh, of course, this is an introduction. So it's, it starts, uh, now we review again. This time we are preparing for the second part of learning, how the truth can be applied. Today we will begin to concentrate on readiness for what will follow next. Such is our aim for this review and for the lessons following. Thus, we review the recent lessons and their central thoughts in such a way as will facilitate the readiness that we would now achieve. And I just love that, you know, it's all about preparing us for a state of mind, of course, which we already have, but uh, that you know, it, it sort of it gives you a it gives you a lineal progression of what will follow next. That it, it just it just sort of a, a, a hope and excitement about um, about that you know like yeah peace is coming, peace is really coming, um, and then uh, the second part of learning. Um, I wasn't quite sure, so I went into. Ken's, Ken's analysis on the, uh, on the uh, introduction itself, for this introduction, what he was telling you, like what would be the first part of learning? Uh, but we are, this is this is an introduction to the second part. And Ken says specifically in, in his review for introduction, which is page 181 of this workbook, if anybody has that or wants to follow, but you don't have to. Um, the, this is about the middle of the page. It says, uh, Jesus speaks of the workbook as divided into two parts. The first 
focuses on undoing the ego's thought system, preparing us for the second part that deals with acquiring true perception. And I think we otherwise, we know that as vision, I think we sometimes interchange true perception and vision. Um, and, and I'm thinking that, that that's exactly what that's talking about, but maybe not. So I just wanted to, if anybody has a little take on that or maybe some insight, they might be able to, 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 to tell. Um, down below in the lesson, uh, well, as I just as I just read, is that uh, that uh, it's the second part of learning the truth. So I guess the first part is undoing our our system of thought, our whole way of being. <laughs> no, no minor accomplishment for sure. The whole way we see the world and 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 our what we are, not who we are, but what we are, and then the second part like giving us the vision to actually be useful as a tool of a body in the world, acquiring the vision. So um, that's just, that's just something that there's some thoughts that I had with that. Um, and then I'll get into paragraph two, going back to the introduction on page 273 of the workbook. Uh, there is a central theme that unifies each step in the review we undertake, which can be simply stated in these words, my mind holds only what I think with God. That is a fact and represents the truth of what you are and what your father is. It is this thought by which the father gave creation to the son establishing the son as co-creator with himself. It is this thought that fully guarantees salvation to the son. For in his mind, no thoughts can dwell, but those his father shares. Lack of forgiveness blocks this thought from his awareness. Yet it is forever true. The light always shines. It is forever true. So the atonement, we know that it is, that it is in, in, in reality, as Tim said, you know, what problem? We're not actually experiencing a problem. We think, we seem to think that we think we have a problem. I think um, one, one, way of, uh, one way of looking at my mind holds only what I think with God is uh, certainly, um, as Ken would put it, not to use that as a mantra. Mm. Like it says in line seven, lack of forgiveness blocks this thought. So in, the, in one way of looking at my mind holds only what I think with God is that it's the third step of forgiveness. That it's only possible for my mind to hold only what I think with God and everything else is nothing. There are no problems. <laughs> but to get to the point, that awareness, I have to do the process of forgiveness. Because lack of forgiveness is what's blocking that awareness. And then, and then that would be the third step of forgiveness, meaning I, I don't do anything. I just allow the Holy Spirit to show me that my mind holds only what I think with God. So the first step in, in forgiveness is I'm willing to see my brother differently. 
That's the first step. Mm. And lack of that blocks, blocks my mind holds only what I think of God. Second step in forgiveness is I'm willing to see myself that way without guilt, without, without condemnation. And, and so we have to go through those first two steps where we're, we're lacking forgiveness of first our brothers and then ourselves, and then we'll know, we'll know <laughs> my mind holds only what I think with God. Yeah. Um, and, uh, uh, I guess, you know, step one, step two, um, forgive my brother and forgive myself, maybe, uh, said another way. I don't, you know, different take on it, but, um, I was curious if somebody has it, has again, some insight here, uh, Mind, if, if in the italics section there, my mind holds only what I think with God. Mind is not capitalized. And it's through, it's consistent through that whole introduction. Mind is not capitalized. And I, I'm not sure, although what you are, what is capitalized in that paragraph? And your father, of course, is capitalized. So um, just curious if anybody had a take on that. May, may not be important at all. So let us begin our preparation with some understanding of the many forms in which the lack of true forgiveness may be carefully concealed by our ego because they are illusions. They are not perceived to be but what they are. Defenses they are, in fact, defenses that protect your unforgiving thoughts from being seen and recognized. Pretty good plan. Their purpose is to show you something else and hold correction off through self-deceptions made to take its place. <clears throat> Their purpose, and I think made to take its place, I think of substitution. This is substitute, this is an idol, a substitute for God the thousands of iterations of things we think are worth pursuing in the world or doing in the world are all idols. If we give it that status, if we give it that stature. This, uh, yesterday we were looking at, in chapter 10, Jesus begins the process of encouraging us to look at what we've kept hidden from ourselves. Mm -hmm. Here he, is, he uses the word concealed. But we've concealed how much we're hanging on to grievances. We've concealed how much we're angry. <laughs> we've concealed how much uh, a slight uh, feeling of irritation line, um, I think it's lesson 21, but a slight irritation is really just the, the tip of the iceberg of some pretty serious stuff going on underneath. <laughs> like I'm pretty ticked off and I don't want to look at it because it, it's that, how does he say it? That protects by my not acknowledging it and looking at it, it protects my unforgiving thoughts from being seen and recognized because bringing them to the surface is the only way I'm going to be able to let them go. Is I have to look at them. So there's this huge emphasis from chapter 10 on about, and I think it's unlike any other spiritual discipline, certainly I've been involved in where this emphasis on looking at the dark to get beyond it, to see it and recognize it, bring it to the surface and then be willing to let it go. 
but it's it's hanging on to that concealed to me i'm concealing it from me my awareness of how i'm still hanging on to some pretty serious grudges grievances and i have to be if if i'm not feeling peace right now that that's what's going on so the value of bringing it to the surface and actually looking at it is then i can let it go it's not to indulge it and dwell on it and get crazy about it but but have a chance to let it go well we've got that that vault of of guilt nailed shut locked shut down tight and you know it's like sort of like functioning in our life why i look at it you know and it's great because until until we really can unlock that fault of guilt and then look at the real ugliness and the sheer horror of what this world is as we see it with the body's eyes, we cannot heal it. We cannot ask for help to heal it. Uh, yeah, that's true. Okay. Self-deception's made to take its place. And yet your mind holds only what you think with God. That's your reality. Stephen, Stephen's got something. Stephen? Yeah, I really like what you said, Tim, because it's, uh, it's like kind of telling my story. Um, and, and I always seem to, uh, I love it when y'all, y'all talk about these kind of things because it's, it's what I need to hear. I, you know, I'm, I'm really comfortable with miserable, you know. I, mm. I really, you know. I go there and I dwell and uh, I, I get irritated and frustrated with God and Holy Spirit and Jesus. And as I'm doing it, the course is coming in, letting me know that's what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. uh, but I'll, I'll take it all away sometimes. Uh, and, and, and coming out of that, the only way I can come out of that uh, is, is to step back and look at it. The looking, uh, um, as has been pointed out several times today, is, is, that's just about the most important thing. Uh, you know, you got to go through the, you have to go through the darkness to get to the light. And for me, that's been quite a chore. Uh, uh, I, I, I still do it. I do it a lot less. Um, I'm a lot more peaceful uh, uh, than, than, than I was. And uh, it's getting better and better all the time. But I'm still under the realization that that stuff is comfortable for me. You know, that's, that's the way I grew up. Um, that's the way business is. That's, you know, that's the way sports is. I mean, it's everywhere you go, bam, bam, bam. And uh, there has to be a point where I back up and I, I, I engage in that uh, gentle smile that I do with Jesus or with Holy Spirit um, and, and just, uh, just kind of smile with no judgment on myself because that's the main problem for me. I'm judging myself. I'm judging my brother. I'm judging everything that's coming up. And to step back from that, uh, you're, you're almost there. You know, that's the willingness. That's the, that's the engagement uh, of the other thought system. Uh, and when I realized that, um, then I was, I was a lot easier on myself. And, and I, can get, I can get to and stay in those uh, glimpses of reality a little bit longer. Thank you. Yeah, thanks, Stephen. You're the only one, Stephen, that does that. So. <laughs> <laughs> like All I over in the universe. <laughs> I know Dave never does it. <laughs> <laughs> Doesn't that feel special? <laughs> yeah. Uh, um, 
So paragraph four, I'm going to pick up there. And yet your mind holds only what you think with God. Your self, your self deceptions cannot take the place of truth. No more than a child who throws a stick into the ocean, change the coming and going of the tides, the warming of the water by the sun, the silver of the moon on it by night. So do we start each practice period in this review with readying our minds to understand the lessons that we read and see the meaning that they offer us? So it's always kind of fun for me to see Jesus go back to like level two body statements in relation to, to a level one experience that, yeah, stick in the ocean. And of course we can only relate to that through a body, right? <clears throat> Begin each day with time devoted to the preparation of your mind to learn what each idea you will review that day can offer. Offer you in freedom and in peace. Open your mind and clear it of all thoughts that would deceive. And let this thought alone engage it fully and remove the rest. My mind holds only what I think with God. My mind holds only what I think with God. Five minutes with this thought will be enough to set the day along the lines which God appointed and to place his mind in charge of all the thoughts you will receive that day. I read that again this morning. It was just kind of like almost shocked about the power of that statement. Like, really? Could I set up the whole day to be peaceful? I mean, you know, every now and then it's fun to try that, but, you know, <laughs> could I really do that? <clears throat> His mind in charge of all the thoughts that you will receive that day. They will not come from you alone, for they will all be shared with him, capital H. And so each one will bring the message of his love to you, returning messages of yours to him. So will communion with the Lord of hosts be yours, as he himself has willed it be. And as his own completion joins with him, so will he join with you who are complete as you unite with him and he with you. So, I, yeah, I think particularly, you know, communion, as I've come to understand it, you, you know, my, my background, uh, in the Catholic Church, obviously has a different connotation, but you know, just as beautiful. But I understand the communion is actually is actually one with the mind of God. It's 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 sharing the thought of God would be true communion, like real, real communication. And I I always I always like to reference. The part of the course, I'm going to have to look it up someday and actually tell, but where it says, you, you know, like you develop the strangest, the strangest phenomenon of not communicating with your creator. It's right there. It's wide open. 
and you develop, you know, like I got this, I'll solve it myself. I'll call you when I really need you. Um, is what I get from. So that word communion is just so beautiful in that context of like direct communication with God. And of course, that's not the, I know that's not the stated goal of the course to, to get us to the, the place of peace where we could see love reflected here. But it's, it's, it's kind of like, it, it's just a, it's a beautiful thought to think about. <clears throat> I was thinking about the Catholic trip and, um, and I didn't realize how much he was playing on it here. Um, that, you know, from, from Jesus' point of view, from the ego, and certainly, I mean, the way he's looking at the ego and the way the ego established religions, our, our eating the host, <laughs> our, our devouring, we have to devour God in order to stay, stay keep going. I mean, it, it's really just, it, it's what happened with the tiny man idea of separation. We stole a piece of heaven, we ate it, and now we're off and running on our own. And the whole, the whole idea of a host, eating, eating the body and blood of Jesus and, and the host, is doing the, repeating the tiny man idea of separation, certainly from the Course's point of view. Not from Catholic's point of view, <laughs> but from the, you know, the Course's point of view. Where, and he, he says the Lord of hosts. I mean, he's, you know, he's not, <laughs> he knows what he's doing here. He's calling the Lord, the real Lord of, of hosts. You're mm -hmm. the host. You're the host to the, to, to God already. You don't have to be eating a piece of God to have, to be a host. <laughs> he's the Lord of all of us, meaning, meaning we're already hosting innocence. We're already hosting our, our true identification. And we don't have to eat each other to do that. <laughs> we don't have to you know, like sacrifice the son of God and kill it and then somehow imbibe it. Yeah, and not that I'm a, you know, a, a, an expert at all in the area, certainly, you know, of the Catholic faith, but um, the idea of people who practice it is like literally to take Jesus into the body because we're referencing through the body and and that's taking holiness in. Yeah. <clears throat> um, after your preparation, merely read each of the two ideas ass assigned for the day to be reviewed that day. Then close your eyes and say them slowly to yourself. There is no hurry now, for you are using time for its intended purpose. Let each word shine with the meaning God has given it as it was given to you through his voice, capital his voice. Let each idea which you review that day give you the gift that he has laid in it for you to have of him. And we will use no format for our practicing but this. And I kind of really think that's a cool little deviation all of a sudden for Jesus to just like, like no format, just kind of, we want you to freelance, you know, with your mind. And we want you to, to, to hear these words and just let them absorb. It, it, it's, it's an interesting way. All of a sudden it's cutting us loose and letting us, you know, whatever that is about. But I thought that was, I thought that was uh, also the, uh, the statement using time for its intended purpose. So 
there's no hurry now. There's nowhere to go and there's nothing to get. So you can, you can just take your time. Yeah, I mean, you can, you, you can just be in time and be at peace for a little while. And because this is what time is for, you're actually using it for a holy purpose. So with that, what I'd like to do is actually read, the, read through the two lessons of the day. We're on lesson 144. And just to read through those two and just, just take a minute to let them, let them sink in and marinate in that a while. Um, lesson 144. So if you just take a minute and you can close your eyes and just, you can, you can just uh, use this for whatever, however that works. So lesson 144, my mind holds only what I think with God. 127, there is no love but God's. 128, the world I see holds nothing that I want. Particularly, what struck me, um, what I saw with, of course, lesson 127 is definitely, um, it's, it's like drawing us towards level one. And lesson 20, 128 is telling us level two is not where it's at. You don't want to be a body. There's nothing here, there's nothing here to gain, to get. There's nothing here of value. You go through a thousands of useless journeys, it will be the same result. You will, you will not be satisfied. And worse yet, you won't be at peace. <laughs> Maybe. Any thoughts, any, any ruminations, anything come up for anybody? Jim, as you were reading the introduction. Yes. The fourth review introduction. The introduction uh, four. You have to review four. I guess this is the fourth paragraph. It's the one that starts, and yet our mind only... <laughs> holds only what you think of God. Um, and throughout this entire passage, I, th I think you're seeing more that of his definition of the word to see and vision, um, where they both mean something more like understanding. Did you, could um, you say again, did you say deceit? To see. 
To see, okay, to see. Um, to see something. Like vision, yeah. Yeah, vision and to see. He uses it to mean understanding. And I think this is best in the sixth paragraph, the very last sentence. He says, so do we start each practice period by reading our minds to understand the lessons we mean and to see their meaning. Um, and I, it makes me think back to lessons like miracles are seen in light. Um, and maybe it means something like miracles are seen in understanding. Is that something that anyone else, does that vibe with someone else? Like the light that he keeps talking about and is like just the, the understanding of what truth is, the understanding of what he's trying to say is vision. That's all I had to say. Or maybe just, I was wondering if well, you felt something yeah. like that as well. Thank you. Yes. Yeah, excellent. And you know what I got that the first, the first two, the first part of that paragraph and yet paragraph four and yet, which means atonement is, and yet, you know, like you, you dream these silly dreams, right? These, and, 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 and yet, and yet atonement is, yes, just like you said, perfect understanding, you know, whatever synonym we use for atonement, it's, and, and yet it's already, atonement's already done. We just forgot to laugh, you know, we took it seriously, but it's, and yet it's already done. Your mind holds only what you think with God, another synonym for atonement. Yeah, really good. Whitney, did you have something? Mm, well, I was going to say that for me, I relate to understanding with learning, which is what the which is what which is distinct from knowledge and and seeing for me. So um, that line of um, let us begin our preparation with some understanding of the many forms in which, um, wait, which line, oh, which line did you just read, Alexa? Um, oh, and yet see, your mind holds, oh, oh, sorry. Sorry, and see the meaning that they offer us. He uses the word see, and you can probably pick any sentence with the word see in, in this introduction would work fine. Kind of but how, he says, I don't know see the is, meaning that yeah. they offer us. Um, kind of how I, it's a little bit for me like um, the, like levels coming like um with the willingness to unlearn learn unlearn which is is a little bit like um then there's room for vision and real true seeing which is like um holy seeing so they're distinct for me they're not they're not synonyms understanding and and uh, learning are not are not synonyms for me with seeing i don't know I don't even know that it matters. It's just you asked the question. So I was just thinking about um, how he distinguishes the difference between, um, you know, there will be a time when learning isn't even needed because um, true mind doesn't even learn. It's just vision is like atonement is. I don't even know if what I'm saying makes sense. That's why I wasn't sure I should say anything, but um, that, was, that was what came to me when you asked that question. Thank you, Whitney. Yes. Stephen? Uh, uh, yeah, um, there's a lot of paradox here, and this is a huge deal in the course. Um, ego wants us to understand, and ego, for the way I read it, ego, ego wants us to keep trying to figure it out. 
you know, so that understanding part and that seeing part and the vision part, uh, you know, I've gotten lost in that so many times. Uh, but I came to a point, and I'm thinking of it, to learning, uh, of course, this learning uh, happens in and of itself. It also says you don't have to understand. And, you know, it's, it's kind of says in, in a few places, don't even, don't even try. Because the understanding comes, uh, for me, um, only when uh, I'm joined with Holy Spirit or I'm looking at things uh, with Jesus. Uh, so that, that understanding and seeing, uh, you know, uh, whether I'm seeing or uh, I'm, I'm in Christ's vision, uh, I don't have to figure that out or try to understand it because it just, it's just something that, that happens and it's indescribable. It, it takes us to a point. And ego, for me, when I get those lipses of reality, ego comes in and, and, and says, thing. I mean, the way it works for me is I get this thought, okay, cool. I want to stay here. How's, how do I stay here? What does, you know, and, and so there's this dance that happens on a regular basis for me with seeing and, and Christ's vision and understanding and not having the slightest idea what's going on. Uh, and, and, and so uh, I, I think it's really, I, I really like what both of y'all said because it's, it, it is that way. Uh, but I always go back to the, the learning unlearning thing like uh, Whitney was t touching on. And uh, uh, anyway, this is a really good thing to bring up. Thank you. Good. I wanted to share one more thing that I was that I noticed, Jim, as you were um, that I, I, that I've not noticed in reading this before. When up in paragraph two, after we read, my mind holds only what I think with God. I'm thinking the the ego thinks that that's a doing thing, like I think, like a verb. And then the line three, paragraph three, this is a fact, what was just read, and it represents who you are and what your father is. There's no doing there. It's an isness. Like uh, Jim, you said atonement is. For me, seeing is, thinking with God is an is. It's not an active thing where for me, understanding and learning seems like it's an active thing. Like it seems like I'm learning the course, but really what's happening is the mind is just coming home to itself there's, it's like a, it's like an illusion of, it's like a happy dream, like an illusion of uh, a happy illusion, learning and, and um, something like that. But I was struck by, wow, that's not a, that's not a verb. It's what you are. My mind holding only what I think with God is an are, an is. Like, back, hmm. back in the old, back in the 70s when everybody, including me, when we were doing a lot of drugs and uh, sitting around talking with a friend of mine, he goes, the really cool thing about doing LSD is, is you're happy and you're not even doing anything. <laughs> it's like, it's, it's like, you just, you're just being. <laughs> and, and certainly in terms of the courses, it's like, you're happy and you're not even thinking anything. <laughs> it's like, there's everything is fine and nothing's going on. You're not doing, you're not thinking. <laughs> it's just, it's just like, the, oh, yeah, I like that idea. <laughs> so I'm trying to get from the course, you know, when, when I actually work it, <laughs> that's the experience is thinking and thinking and doing really go out the window. I mean, I don't have to do a whole lot. <laughs> I don't have to think a whole lot. Ken's, Ken's seminar came to mind, um, that infuriating seminar where he did two plus two doesn't equal four, <laughs> two plus two equals five. Like, oh, stop. <laughs> Just stop. I mean, really, two plus two equals five. Well, then, then what's the point of thinking anything then? <laughs> Which is the point of the course. 
Yeah, you know, uh, with the psychedelic thing, where's Duke when we need him, right? <laughs> oh, that's very good. Duke said that the other day. <laughs> that's when he went quiet. Jesus cut him off and his sound disappeared. That's right. Yeah, and we haven't seen him since. Lynn, you should say something. <laughs> well, I'm I'm looking at I'm looking right now at Jim talking, but he's oh. on. Yeah, he's muted. Yeah. He's muted himself. Um, but I was just thinking that the um, introduction to the workbook clearly defines the two different ways of seeing, and it says um, in it, it, it's paragraph. I mean, it's paragraph three in the introduction, which is page one. The workbook is divided into two sections. The first is dealing with the undoing the way we see now. So we see through our senses and we interpret what that means to us. It has nothing to do with what we see, but then we interpret what we want it to mean to us that confirms what we already believe. So that's, that's the way we're seeing. We're just confirming what we've already decided we want to see. And that keeps um, uh, proving that I exist and that I'm, I'm a person in the dream. And then it goes down to the next, let's see, paragraph um, uh, five. Um, let's see, at the end where it's, <clears throat> It says, um, uh, where do I want to go? Um, well, anyway, we're learning, we're learning to see with true perception um, in which um, our seeing requires no effort. In other words, we're not interfering with what we're seeing. And I think that's where the forgiveness comes in. He says, you know, the only way you're going to see is through true forgiveness, which then makes no effort in seeing at all. Everything is as it is without interpretation of the senses. So it's, it's a completely different way of, of seeing without interference. And the word that always comes to, to me is effortless, effortless in the sense that we're, we're not figuring out or, or doing anything to Tim's point, you know, with, with LSD. <laughs> I, I don't know. No, I, if it was Duke's point. <laughs> <laughs> I always thought I was still doing something. Yeah, nothing to do with that. <laughs> Just for the record. Yeah. I'm not sure that's the best way to get to the scene <laughs> that the Course is talking about. Yeah. Uh. All right. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, um, I had a thought. It was. Um, yeah, you know, uh, we, 
so yeah, the world is all about, for certainly it's all about doing, right? I mean, we pick up this 1100 page book, we read it linearly, and we absorb it and we go on to the next chapter. You know, it's, it's like how, definitely it's how our patterns are ingrained with us. And then just the wonderful gift that, uh, I mean, I, I may not know what anything is for, you know, just that gift of like looking at, looking at reality that way is, is like, I may not know what this is really for. Help, help me, you know, help me see Holy Spirit, what this is really for, the purpose really is. Um, just a little question. Are, are, are we normally, do we go to like 1115 uh, or do we, does it really matter? Any, anywhere between 11 and 1115 is fine. Okay. Okay. Anybody else have anything else? On that, around that, talk, communion, atonement. Actually, before you move on, Tim and Jim, that rhymes, fun. Um, can you guys elaborate on what he means by Lord of Hosts? I don't have a Catholic background, so that phrase just bothered me. I didn't know what it meant. Um, and I don't, I think, Tim, you said that. He calls us his hosts. Yeah, can you just give us the the words there? Yeah. So, so I mean, uh, and and I would imagine any any, any Christian um, spirituality that serves communion, <laughs> they call it the host. Well, certainly Catholics did. So, and the host was the body and blood, or the body of Jesus, and and we would eat that at Christmas. And so it was. So this, and it was also called communion. So, I mean, in, in that paragraph six, he's talking about communion, <laughs> the real communion that Jim was talking about where we realize we're already joined. That's the real communion. And then, and then the idea of host, the, kind of the play on that was, um, in, in a sense, the, the, uh, the original host that we ate was the tiny man idea of separation. And, and, and we ate that and believed it, and we were off and running with a piece of God, and we thought we stole it, ate it, whatever. And then we made that into a religion. <laughs> From the Course's point of view, that's what communion is in, in the world, because it's insisting we're not already holy. If we eat Jesus, we'll be a little bit more holy. <laughs> so the, the, the main message of the Course the only thing we actually think is this is guiltless. I mean, and the son of God is already holy. There's, you know, they're two sides of the same coin. That's, that's the thought. That's what we think. But eating, eating a host, doing any kind of religious ritual in the world from the ego's point of view is I'm not holy already. And now I got to do this to be holy. Mm -hmm. Sin is very real. <laughs> in that sense. And, and in order not to have a little less sin, relative sin, I have to eat Jesus, poor Jesus, in order to be a little bit more holy than I was a few seconds ago. Now, and Jesus is like, now nah, you're already, you're already, you're already communing, you're already one, you're just pretending you're not. <laughs> and then you build a whole religion that insists that you're not holy, and then you eat Jesus to be holy. I mean, it's, it sounds terrible when you look at it that way. And, and it is terrible when you look at it that way. I mean, it's, but thank God, it's just what, that's what egos do. They do it in all kinds of ways, even, even in religions. 
So that's so the play on Lord of Hosts, the real hosts, capital H hosts, is that we're all like we're all like individually the host of that innocence. We're the host. We host meaning you know like when you host a party, people come to your house, and and you know you're putting you're allowing guests to arrive. Well, in this case, we're we're already a host to to the Son of God, and we're pretending we're not. We're already a host to the oneness and the joining and we're pretending we're not when we're in ego mode. So the Lord of capital H hosts is each one of us is a host for, of innocence. And we share that message with each other. That's just one play on the word. I'm sure there's a million other plays on the word too. <laughs> if I think about it, if I think about it, <laughs> I'll come up with more <laughs> or you might. <laughs> Does that, I, I don't know if that helps, but anyway. Yeah, thanks, Tim. So what I would like to do is just conclude today uh, with the beautiful the end of the end of that introduction, introduction four, uh, review four, introduction. Just to conclude with the last three paragraphs, as I would read and. Lynn or Tim, would you mind reading that, or anybody would like to read? Whitney, would you like to read? You want, you uh, want paragraphs eight, paragraph, nine? Beginning paragraph eight on page 274 of the workbook. Yeah, sure, I'll read it. Each hour of the day, bring to your mind the thought with which the day began and spend a quiet moment with it. Then repeat the two ideas you practice for the day unhurriedly with time enough to see the gifts that they contain for you and let them be received where they were meant to be. There is no love but God's. The world I see holds nothing that I want. We add no other thoughts, but let these be the messages they are. We need no more than this to give us happiness and rest and endless quiet, perfect certainty, and all our Father wills that we receive as the inheritance we have of him. Each day of practicing, as we review, we close as we began, repeating first the thought that made the day a special time of blessing and of happiness for us. And through our faithfulness, restored the world from darkness to the light, from grief to joy, from pain to peace, from sin to holiness. There is no love like God's. The world I see holds nothing that I want. 
God offers thanks to you who practice thus the keeping of his word. And as you give your mind to the ideas for the day again before you sleep, his gratitude surrounds you in the peace wherein he wills you be forever. And are learning now to claim again as your inheritance. There is no love but God's. The world I see holds nothing that I want. I'm not sure, but I think it's in chapter 15, but there's a place where he talks about, do we want to be host to our brother's innocence? In other words, welcome that into our awareness. Or do we want to hold him hostage <laughs> to his sin, <laughs> to his guilt? Host or hostage, hosting his innocence or hostaging and, and hold, you know, crucifying him to the cross because look what he did. That's another way, another take on. And, and, and you know, that's what we're doing all the time. Do I, want, uh, do I want to host my brother's innocence, which is my innocence, or do I want to hold him hostage to his guilt, my guilt ultimately, but certainly to his guilt? Tim, you said something just now that solidified what this host thing is. Like, I've been ruminating on it for a little bit, but what it was is you said, bring, it, like, bring your brother's innocence to your attention. I'll, like, in my head, I'm like, what are you hosting? Where are you hosting this? Where is this party? You know, is, <laughs> Where's the party? <laughs> yeah, so it seems like the party is in your attention. That's good. Uh, well, thank you. I needed a noun to put the, the host in. <laughs> that works. <laughs> Um, Where's the damn party? <laughs> I want to yeah. go. <laughs> Cut to the chase here. <laughs> Good, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Good job. Thanks. Thank you all. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Jim. Thank, Thank you, Jim. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Happy hosting. <laughs> mm.